Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, 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 March the 30th. Um, we we decided, or I guess I decided when I texted Dave, um, that maybe we didn't want to let this thing wait another day. Um, you know, considering so many happenings um, on the on the transfer front, so we're we're largely going to talk about that, and maybe uh, maybe depending on how long we go, we'll maybe we'll squeeze in a little spring ball uh, talk at the end, but uh, we'll we'll uh, let that TBD. Um, before we now, let's go around and introduce everybody for this evening. Everybody is one David Spence up in Fishersville. How's it going, my friend? It's pretty good. I'm hanging out next to the transfer porter portal there's absolutely no social distancing going on here it's a madhouse um, i think i see ferber in there i don't know what's happening who days on the board at who days on twitter and Cavs corner also on twitter Cavs underscore corner great place for the in-game updates the content items and the occasional woody banter uh for the record ferber is not he better not be in the transfer portal um he, he, if he is he, get some stories <laughs> right uh but he is uh take some some time off and said he was going to be out of town so we we gave him the week off um i i don't know though when he said he was going to be gone if he planned it to you know coincide with you know everything else that's going on because there's no shortage of things to talk about um especially in terms of the of the uh, aforementioned portal um so i guess i i this is strange but i guess i should give a disclaimer that it is 8 37 in the evening on tuesday eastern time um eastern daylight time i guess i should say um so anything that happened after that, we don't know about yet. Um, the way this thing has gone, it, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a rhythm to it. But uh, suffice to say that uh, obviously there's a lot going on um, for Virginia's basketball program. Um, so to catch anybody up, if you've been living under a rock, um, why do you listen to this podcast if you live under rocks? Um, <laughs> uh, Virginia has lost Casey Morsell and then uh, Jabri Abdul-Rahim and then today um, Justin McCoy. Uh, to the aforementioned transfer portal, there are approximately seventy million people in the players in the in the transfer portal right now. Yeah, um, I, I, Dave, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm I, I'm kind of I feel like I should give like a summation, so to speak, of like mm-hmm. the the state of play, um, and then I want to turn to you and I want to get some of your reactions. Uh, go knowing you the way I know you, and, and certainly conversations we've had, I don't get the sense from you that you are particularly worried. Uh, necessarily about like the program, so to speak. I get the sense that you're very worried about next year's team, um, as it is right now. So for, for anybody who has not, you know, is not aware, hasn't been listening or paying much attention. So NCAA changed two very key things this offseason, right? Players have an extra year of eligibility, and they can transfer and play right away. Um, no sitting out, no worried about where you're going to go. They're, you know, basically if they leave, they can go wherever they want and play right away. So this is effectively a way for players to hit a restart on their college careers, right? So a guy like Jabri Abdurrahim, he played as a freshman. He can go wherever he wants to go, um, go in as a freshman, and play right away. So it's almost like the decision to go to UVA just didn't even happen for him, right? Um, you know, up guys who, who have had more time on the floor – like McCoy and and Morsell, it's a little different, but by and large, it's still the same sort of general thing, which is they're hitting, um, you know, restart on their college careers. Um, these are the three transfers I think that most everybody sort of expected were the most likely. 
Um, if you if I if you'd come to me and you said UVA is going to have three transfers, these would probably be the guys that I would have said. Um, though I I I make a point not to speculate about transfers until guys make those decisions. So Dave, as this thing has unfolded, and we'll get into some of the other reaction in a minute, mm-hmm. but I just want to get into your reaction personally. Any any uh, angst, any heartburn over what you've seen so far? Is it just literally for you only about what next year's roster looks like? Like I've been concerned about next year's team since beginning of this basketball season. Yeah, I'd like to go back and figure out what podcast has said. If you don't like what you're seeing now, wait till what next year will look like without some, some you know, some significant transfers. Um, I mean, look, my angst, to be honest, like, uh, you know, I've defended Morcel, lobbied for him, like thought he could, you know, kind of get out of the shooting slump and, and be the player we hoped he'd be coming out of high school. I, I lobbied for McCoy to get minutes this year because I thought I liked the energy he brought to a team that at times looked disinterested. Um, and Debris, obviously, you know, a lot of potential there based on what he showed in high school in the AAU ball, but nothing we had seen on the court yet. Um, so from from losing them, it, it's more of like, you know, they were part of the Virginia family. So like it, it hurts to see anyone leave, right? Um, going back to all the other guys that transferred, you know, Shayok and you know, James Sean, like everyone knows part of it. Like it's uh, when that happened, it, you know, it stings a little because it starts, you know, was it me? Um, but honestly, most of my angst has been about fan reaction, like this ridiculous overreaction that this means Tony can't do anything right. Um, I mean, look, you can poo poo the regular season title all you want. Um, you know, Virginia's had much better rosters and much better teams and played in very weak conferences and didn't win them before. So, like they won games and, and the, the man can coach, um, you know, he's on pace to be the winner in his coach in UVA history. And he certainly has the best tenure run in, in UVA history. So look, get off that kick. It, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, I think you kind of know it. It's, it's a once, I think we even warned people about it. Um, you oh, know, leading we, into we, the NCAA did. tournament. We did. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, you, you hit the right thing. Like, you know, the most important factor I think is the year doesn't count. Which, which certainly makes transferring easy, but it also changes the, uh, you know, the analytics and, you know, the rust, roster per, you know, management for every program in the country. Um, I mean, you think back to this year, not counting, plus the waiver, like Trey Murphy would not have been playing this year, which meant Jabri might have gotten some more time if he had gotten healthy. McCoy certainly would have gotten some more time, especially if Statman had you know, been out like he would. So that changed the dynamics, right? So now you know what Murphy is, and if he comes back, he's going to get playing time. Um, and that goes on around, around the country. And then the other factor is the one time, you know, it's a free year to transfer. <clears throat> but there's also the added thing that most likely the NCAA is going to vote to make that a permanent one-time transfer thing, right? One-time transfer without sitting out. And guess what? The guys who transfer this year under it, are probably not going to be prevented from transferring in next time. So these guys got two shots to figure it out. So, you know, more power to them that what's funny is the same people I see championing like player, you know, player empowerment and, you know, in a name image likeness stuff are just like distraught about this. And like, if name image and likeness comes and it is, and the one-time transfer rule comes and it is, this is going to be commonplace. You're not going to build a team with, it's going to be tougher. Like if Tony's going to have to adjust anything, it's figuring out the right dudes to build. You know, if you want to develop talent, you're going to have to find the right pieces that are willing to, to sit. Um, 
So yeah, it's not unique to Virginia. I think there's 12, almost 1,200 guys in the transfer portal right now. Um, almost every ACC school has at least one. I think Florida State is the only one that doesn't, but they just Florida State and Georgia season. Tech are the only yeah. two that don't. Yeah. So I mean, and and who knows? And you know, if you know if Alvarado announces he's coming back for sure, which I don't think has happened, people are leaning that way. That might change the calculus on a couple of their front, you know, guards. So. You know, it, it's an interesting year. Like, if you want to, you know, if you're still heartbroken over the first round losses and all that stuff, and this is just a way for you to kind of make yourself feel better, go for it. But I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's just a waste of air. Who knows what this team is going to look like three months from now? Um, and that, to me, is the more important fact, more important uh, result. I want to I want to play devil's advocate for just a second. Not that I actually disagree with you because I don't and. Ultimately, it makes a better podcast. No, yeah, we we you know we can't be railing, but I, I, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking through like, okay, what's the what's the mindset right of 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 folks who are just really at at odds with this, really you know sort of coming apart at the seams, and um, I think it's fair to say that there's varying degrees of concern, right? There are the, there are definitely fans who are like, wow, that doesn't sound good, right? Um, and plenty who who feel that way who are who are going to wait to see what comes next because ultimately. The flip side of the transfer portal is what is what comes, you know, in your direction, right? Um, the whole idea is that it, you know, it can go both ways, right? And ultimately, if you think about it, Virginia has one always had transfers, right? You can I can list you off a bunch of dudes who've left, right? That's just the nature of the beast, especially when you do have a head coach who is, you know, historically and anecdotally extremely honest when it comes to these. Um, exit interviews each season. Um, you know he does not sugarcoat uh, how he sees guys fitting in and what they're what it's going to take for them to be, um, you know, in a different spot. And he challenges them. And and then whether they decide, okay, that sounds like something I'm I'm, I'm game for, um, or they decide, you know what, uh, I think that's my opportunity, that's my 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 cue to to head out. Um, Virginia's always had transfers out, but they've also done a lot with the transfers in. I mean, think about it. All of the recent success. Each of those groups had a really integral part of it that was a transfer in, right? Those Malcolm Brogdon teams are not that great if they don't have Anthony Gill, right? Um, Yep. You know, the championship team, is it the same without Braxton Key? Uh, They're probably still pretty good, but are they as good? Um, Certainly taking Braxton Key off of last year's team and seeing how, you know, this year's team, you know, lacked that physical element. Wouldn't you love to have him back, right? Um, Yeah. You know, Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy this year. Um, these things, you know, guys have routinely, you know, come into the program in the non sort of traditional way. Um, and that's it, it, that's such a function of college basketball right now that Virginia's ability to be good at the bounce back recruitment has been a real gift. I mean, it's an it's a it's a skill that they have absolutely used to their advantage. Now, I mentioned playing devil's advocate. What I was trying to think through as you were talking, Dave, is I was kind of thinking through like, okay, who are the people who are up in arms about this? Certainly there are those who are who are concerned, but they're going to wait to see what happens, right? So if UVA adds players, you know, A, B, and C, okay, you know, maybe I'm not that, you know, upset, right? If I found that, if I found that fan. I think there are definitely people who are, who are reactionary. And I think those are the folks who, um, <laughs> more often than not, uh, draw the ire of this podcast, right? Like we are, the three of us, historically have not been very kind to folks who are, you know, um, all up in their fields, so to speak. 
Um, but I think that you know it's it's a fair it's a fair criticism, like right. I think you can say like, oh, you know, Tony uh, could use timeouts better late in games or go for two for one. Like these are fair criticisms, right? Um, I think it's possible to say that the dude is the best coach in UVA history and also appreciate the fact that he's not infallible. Um, I think you can look at you know Virginia's recruiting. Um, you can look at development. You certainly can look at the guys who have gone on to the next level. Um, and you can say, oh, you know, seems like Virginia has, you know, knows what it's doing or, oh, you know, you need to get better players who can do, you know, create off the bounce, for example. Right. I, I, the place where it, the, the bridge that that is that doesn't quite reach the other side of the uh, of the water for me is this idea that this is a UVA problem. Right. We didn't just warn people. I mean, we openly talked about this is going to happen. Right. Um, you know, I, not just like it, it, it was it was so clearly on the horizon. It might as well have had a blinking uh, sign over it. And I understand that, like, not everybody is plugged in. That's that's totally understandable. But like when you when you pay any attention to college basketball right now, it's like every few minutes, another player has entered the portal. Right. Um, it's not just a UVA thing. And I've been calling it on Twitter. I've been calling it nuclear spring because it is. I and mean, this thing is. It is a complete reshuffling of the cards, so to speak, across college basketball in a way that, frankly, has just never, I don't believe, has ever happened. Right? I don't think you can compare it to anything else. And if you try to compare this to anything else, not only is that just a self-fulfilling problem, like you're going to end up upset, but you're going to get there. What is it Bronco always says? Your the program is get receives the results that it's designed yeah. to get. Organizations, yeah. Right. So, like... If you if you go into this wanting to be mad, you're gonna be mad, right? Like um, now again, if if Virginia goes out and fills these three spots, let's just let's just say it fills three spots with like player. I'm not gonna give names. Player X, <laughs> player player Y, and player Z, and those guys um, are really highly talented players. What's the you know what I mean? Like where's the where's the what's the back? You know, like what's the retraction of the outrage? Like I joked to to Dave and Ferber, I'm like you know they're gonna get you know what's the chance that they get these guys and fans and these same people are like oh all right well never mind you know yeah like, we good that, that and that's that's but that's the thing about this and I don't mean to dominate the mic here Dave but that's fine. The, the thing that people I I don't think really appreciate is like right now supply is just off the chart, right? Demand is off the chart, but not in this to the same degree. And what I mean by that is like there are dudes in the portal like that will not that will not land anywhere, right? There are guys who left, you know, situations that they thought Yeah, a dude from tech. I mean, uh, right, right, I can't exactly. think of his name right now. Yeah. Damasil, yeah. Yeah. Now, for all, all we know, he decided, you know what, I want to go somewhere smaller, you know, session such. I think this will be good for me, you know, that kind of thing. And, and those decisions certainly are very personal, and I'm not going to knock anybody who, who decide wherever. But it is hard to see, like, a four-star guy land at a mid-major in this scenario and think that he had a bunch of high majors on his, on his list, right? I think that's just somewhat commonsensical. There are a lot of dudes in the portal right now who are not going to land, Right who are certainly not going to land at the level from which they left, right? What's interesting is, like, somebody asked me on the board, I forget who it was, 
ask me on the board about like you know what are the serious contenders you know versus you know in terms of UVA's targets right who are the who are the guys that they actually want versus like just having UVA's name floated with them and the reality is that like if you're UVA you can't waste any time on any guy right now right be that because the the pool is just so full of 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 options like you can't waste any time on a guy that you're not seriously interested in because if you waste any time x number of schools have already reached out to the guy that you actually need you know what i mean and you got to hurry up like you got to get through and figure out if this guy is actually a real option for you so you can move on to the next option for you because it's very possible too that even though there are so many dudes in here that doesn't necessarily mean that schools are just going to like, you know, through osmosis, you know, pick up transfer uh, commitments. Right. So I kind of feel like part of this angst is built around the idea like, oh, my gosh, why are these guys leaving? And you're not really following through on like, oh, my gosh, what what dudes are we going to get? And that's that's at the essence of this. Right. Jari Abdul Rahim was a top whatever recruit. He's a four star guy, whatever. Casey Morcel is a four star guy, you know. Uh, McCoy was a guy who, though he was late in the process, you know, he had a Carolina offer and he was from Carolina and that was a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who's to say that what Virginia gets on the back end isn't going to be better in, in the game of like stars and rankings, but also in terms of fit, you know, you've seen Casey Morsell and I listen, I don't have any ill will toward anybody who decides that they want to go and they want to change the scenery. I think, it, it's fairly obvious from watching Casey that a change of senior is probably going to do him very, very good, right? Um, he was a great kid to cover, and I'm going to miss covering him, but certainly in terms of the way he, he, he looked, at least from the outside looking in, like he, how comfortable he was, that a, a change of scenery might be good for him. Um, and I don't, think that that's, I don't think that's blasphemous to say out loud. You know, like they're, they're humans after all, right? So, Dave, in terms yeah. of what UVA is losing here, just to, let's just talk about from a basketball sense. What's the what's the biggest issue for you so far? I mean, we, we know. I mean, the biggest issue is the one thing we you know that I, I harp on. It's um, regardless you take the offensive part off the table because look, none of these guys were lighting up the scoreboard, right? But what they were, you know, especially in Casey and McCoy, were guys who'd been in the pack line for a couple of years now. Um, and we know it's a hard system to learn. And if you look at guys that stayed in the system four to five years, they got better and better as time went on, except the ones who didn't stay. Right. So like, we, we don't know what those other guys would have done if they stayed. Maybe they left because they couldn't get it. Um, that said, I mean, I think McCoy certainly is a good defender. Um, you know, his, his limitations were on the offensive end. And my guess is, and this is pure speculation. This is not basically anything Brad who told me or, I've heard from anyone else. My guess is just knowing the history of Tony is when he sat down with the, these guys in the exit interview, and I'm speak, speaking specifically of Casey and McCoy because the Jabri situation, I think, is a little – there's a lot more I don't know there. Um, but with Casey, I, I, I promise you, like Tony said, hey, we liked having two point guards on the floor. If you can work on your handle, that's fine, but we're still going to go out and we're going to look for guys who can – you know, we're going to bring in some competition for you. Um and although, you know, Tony has kind of talked about that, you know, kind of led you to believe, you know, Waldo's not coming back next year, but that hasn't been officially put out there. So let's, but let's just say it has, you know, we know, you know, kills is out there and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of shooting guards on the market. Um, so, you know, if Casey's been here, that number, 
you know, two years in the system and, and Tony's blunt with him, he just may not like to hear it. And that's fine. You know, and, you know, you have to think about from his perspective too, does he want to go through another year and then be at the end of the year? And maybe, oh, maybe the NCAA decides not to approve the one-time transfer rule because they're dealing with name image likeness stuff and they don't want to have that on their plate too. There's a reason it's a temporary one-year thing. They didn't vote on it this year. Um, and then McCoy, obviously, I'm probably, you know, I'm sure Tony said, hey, we're going to continue to recruit at the four. We, we need more depth there. Um, and look, it's individual decisions. That, that, that's what it is. Um, I respect their right to make it. Uh, I mean, I'd like to have both of them on the team. I, I like both of the guys. Um, you know, they certainly, I, I mean, I'd like, there, there were areas I'd like both of them to improve on but it doesn't mean I didn't believe they could. Um, but all of this comes back to, and maybe this is too harsh, but it comes back to what Tony said when he was building the program, like to win, you got to have guys you can lose with first. Right. So if, if these guys don't want to be there, it, it's not, if there's one drop of doubt in their mind, it's better for the program for them not to be in the locker room. Um, and then maybe that's harsh and I'll get reamed for it, but, that's just kind of how I feel about it. If you know, if you're not willing to compete for your spot and you don't you need things promised to you, or or if Tony said, I don't see you having a spot, you know, uh, that <laughs> it's individual decisions. That they're 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 I guess they're technically like, you know, adults, but you know, they'll make their decision and move on. And like I'm sure they'll both land in spots that hopefully they do well in. Um and then Jabri, we don't know what happened with Jabri. Um, there was a mixture, like, I mean, Brad may know more than not willing to share with me or with you guys, but, I mean, we certainly all saw the reports that Jabri's dad was perfectly happy with him sitting out the year, and then you saw reports that he wasn't happy with his playing time. No one knows. It could be as simple, and this is not just him, but any of the players deciding to transfer. Like, I think a lot of people's priorities changed this last year. You didn't have the normal college experience. You might have been halfway across the country from your family. Maybe you realize that's not what you wanted. Um, so look, I, I don't think it's think good to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, for sure. You know what it made me think of was Jawan Briggs, right? Exactly. So, so by all accounts, Jawan Briggs coming into UVA fit UVA like a glove, right? In terms of his interests, in terms of, you know, him wanting to, to get the most out of his football side, as well as, you know, in terms of his like non football, um, interests. Right. And, you know, he certainly seemed like he had launched into that trajectory exactly correct, right? Exactly right. And then this year it went sideways. Now he's, you know, at Cincinnati and maybe being closer home, um, you know, being in a different situation. When you take away, you know, Dave's point about, you know, it not being normal, right? The, the normal experience. When you take that away, what it leaves, is that enough? And if it's not, I think you're right, Dave. Like, you don't want guys you know, in the locker room or, you know, on the roster who, who aren't all in, who, who, who are thinking about wanting to maybe be somebody where else. And frankly, if you're UVA, you want these decisions to get made quickly, right? Yeah. If you're, if these decisions are going to get made, you want them made now, because let's be real. There's nothing that says these kids have to decide this right now, right? They've got time before the end of the semester, right? They've got time before they would need to report, right? So if a guy wants to get in the portal, he could do it whenever, right? 
So in, yeah. in UVA, we're, we're in, in March, UVA's, people. Like, yeah, we're exactly. 1200 it's in, in March. It's, it's in UVA's best interest for guys who know for a fact that they want to do something different to say so now, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why Tony's process and how you know honest he is in those exit interviews have has worked well because UVA has been able to, for lack of a better description, sort of clear the deck, right? They understand like what's coming. Um, down the pike and they they fill those holes right there's there there very rarely are you know surprises late in the you know in that sort of process now one thing i will say to the folks who are you know frustrated i think you know this will be some some music to your ears or whatever i will say that i think one of the problems that virginia runs into sometimes is the way in which tony doles out his minutes um he expects you to be ready to play essentially starter minutes even if you don't play anything remotely close for any period of time, right? He expects when your number is called for you to be ready. That's what he continually talks about, right? He tells guys, be ready, be ready. Your time is coming, be ready, be ready. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, over the years, the guys who have left, if they haven't been happy with their roles, in in part that's because they have not, when they have been called on, performed to the level that they needed to perform in order to get more minutes, Shayak's probably the one guy who was a steady contributor who you felt like you could sort of count on who then decided to leave. And that's in, I mean, I think a lot of us sort of understand like that's partly because he knew what was coming behind him. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm not saying that Tony needs to quote, you know, throw, you know, change this. Right. I'm just saying that like, this is something of a byproduct of just this, way of doing things now you can argue about whether it's right or wrong um and i don't know i don't know if the title by itself is enough to say that it's right but i also don't necessarily think that guys leaving says that it's wrong um clearly other other players prosper in uva's program even guys like deandre hunter who may have thought about transferring at some point you know um trust me when when ohio beat uva the other night you know dre didn't have to be on social media talking about pain right um, yeah, I, I just, I just think that it's one of those things. It's like from the outside, we're normal humans like us. We, we think like, oh, well, if this happens, there has to be a reason, right? Um, and there's a reason, but is the reason ne- like a negative reason? You know what I mean? Like, it's not a bad yeah. thing for a kid to understand like where he stands and what he has to do to to be somewhere else. Um, you know, if Tony tells a guy like, listen, this is what I see for you that kid can take that as a challenge and come back and try to prove him wrong. And I'm sure that there have been those guys. I've heard rumors of them, you know, who have, who have done that. Right. Um, yeah. And it is up to the kid to decide if that's an experience they want, or if they want to go somewhere else and try to find something that's a little bit different. And frankly, transfers have a different appreciation for the recruiting process and they understand what they need in a school in a way that recruits never will. Right. And so if you have an opportunity to do something again, everybody talks about recruiting being a one-time, you know, one, you know, this is a one-time deal. Well, yeah, frankly, these days it's not, you're gonna, you, you have the opportunity later on if you want to, just like all students do when it comes to taking visits and and to colleges and stuff. Right. Uh, If you want to go somewhere else, you can. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about Virginia under Tony Bennett, right. Like I think you all, we all kind of think about the teams that had depth, um, 2013, 14 team. Like I'm looking at their poster right now, like times have changed so much since then. Right. Not only is it easier to transfer, um, 
But Virginia is also getting a higher level of recruit, which means the demand for wanting to play and feeling grateful to be at a, you know, you know, an ACC school aren't as, you know, those things aren't as prevalent in a guy who has, has 20 offers as the dude who had one or two, right? So, I mean, just look at that 13-14 team. Akil Mitchell, he didn't have any other offers. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, I think he had Ivy League and UVA, right? That was pretty much it. Right. Um, you know, Gill obviously transferred in, but London Perantes didn't have a lot of offers. Devin Hall had a few. Um, Darian Atkins had a few. Mike Toby definitely had some, but Joe Harris, like he had Washington State and then UVA. Um, and then obviously Justin Anderson, but like a lot of that depth was built on guys who were happy to be there. Right. And so that is the, you know, th- those guys are more likely to stick around. And it was much harder to transfer then. And now you look at programs like Virginia wants to, you know, we're trying to be an elite program. Right. If you look at the other blue bloods, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas. Their rosters turn over every year like this one on a regular basis, NBA transfers, whatever it might be. This is commonplace. Like Virginia fans are panicking because we don't know what our roster looks like in March. Duke and Kentucky fans often don't know what their roster looks like till after the NBA draft declaration day, right? So it, it's not, we're not in a place that no other school gets in. We're just in a place that's a little different for us just because next year's team was going to be kind of a bridge year anyway. Um, and, and you lost a f- couple, few guys you thought might help bridge you. But the reality is, like, if you want to look at what next what next year's team would look like with those guys, I don't know that the holes you need to fill are any different. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Casey's not going to score fifteen a game. No offense, let's see, let's see something just clicks, and I hope for him it does. Um, but you know, it's like you know, being in a slump. Um, you know, we, we've seen guys click. We've seen Devin Hall go from like an average shooter to a great shooter. We saw Justin Anderson do it for that year before he got hurt. Um, so it's not unheard of. It's just, you know, it's a lot of pressure to do it if you're being called on to do it because if there's no one else there to help you, you know, if the team's relying on it. Um, so, like, yeah, I still, I, I'd like to have the depth, but if the guys don't want to sit, you know, if the guys won't, don't want to compete again um, or, or, you know, wanted promises or whatever they wanted, it's their right to move on. Um, and I look forward to seeing what will be add because there are some very good pieces out there. there and absolutely you're are. right. Yeah. Whether they can fit into Virginia in the first year, I don't know, but I will say, and I think one, th- as I read, like when you start reading like about recruits now and other schools, like, and this is kind of an aside, but something worth noting, I think, um, so many more schools are running the pack line defense now, like nationwide because of Virginia's success with it. Um, and obviously the success that, you know, Dick and Wisconsin had with it too. But like, I mean, you can find guys who know it a little bit. You just maybe not know Tony's version. Um, but yeah. I don't know why I tossed that in. It just kind of hit me the other day. Uh, no, I think that's a good point because I think part of the, part of the worry for a lot of UVA fans, I mean, like, listen, it's just us talking, right? Nobody else is listening. Part of the worry that a lot of UVA fans have when the, when good players leave is that, well, what are you going to get on the back end, right? And part of that comes from, are you going to be able to convince the best of the best when, when especially in a situation like this, you know, when a whole bunch of schools are coming calling, that playing in the pack line, playing at a slower pace, you know, doing it with a deliberate sort of sense, have, you know, 
playing in a program that is, you know, um, that is all about culture, the way that Virginia's is and such, that, that that's not going to be appealing to the best of the best. And the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's always been more appealing than most people think. Um, but at the same time, the Cavaliers have not done a good enough job of bringing in their top, top, top targets, right? Case in point, in 2016, they did an incredible job of bringing in their top guys, right? They zeroed in on Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy early. They wanted DeAndre Hunter. He was the guy. Now, they lost Sasha Kalea Jones, but they got Jay Huff, even, you know, got him uh, when, you know, when Duke came calling. Um, and then, you know, they were able, obviously, down the road to get Braxton Key, a guy that ultimately they wanted alongside Hunter if they could get him. Um, but they just, you know, space was the issue, right? That class set the standard that Virginia's recruiting efforts to date have just not always been able to attain. In spots, they've been really good, right? So 2022, you know, Isaac McNeely, you know, getting him early. That momentum is good, right? And I'm and I'm not going to say um, that if Virginia goes out and, you know, does in 2022 what they did in 2016. The problem is that there's six years between those classes. And the – well – and they're essentially are two byproducts of that. One is that you end up with bigger classes, which hurt you in the, in the, in the off years, right? Look at Virginia's recruiting in 17 and in 18, right? It was hard for them to really sell team, sell guys on coming in and joining a team that had that much ahead of them. Right. Um, and the other side of that is once they won the national championship, it was hard for them to really be able to really utilize the bump they were going to get from that because, you know, guys left early, which wasn't part of the plan, right? That's, that was not a lot of, you know, another Broncoism succession planning going on for, Oh, what happens if multiple dudes leave early? Um, there are some programs who can soak that right up and UVA just wasn't one of them. But then the other thing of that is, is that like, there was also a pandemic that happened shortly thereafter, you know, and it changed a whole lot in terms of, you know, being able to, um, you know, evaluate everything that comes with that. So in essence, the bump that UVA was supposed to get from the national championship, it was for, you know, whether their fault or otherwise was somewhat kind of ruled null and void. Um, so now the question is, can they go out and fill these spaces? You know, they've got, you know, they got plenty of room. They can go out and get them a big if they want to, they want to get a more traditional five. They still have space to get another bouncier big. Um, you know, I think the needs are so crystal clear. They need a they need a guard, pre- predominantly a you know a guy who can create off the bounce if if possible. Um, they certainly need a big. They need a bouncier big uh, if they can get both of them. I think they should add them. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they take like a you know one grad transfer and then maybe you know several guys who have who have years ahead. Um, but the, the bottom line, I think, is the same, which is that, you know, there's so much that goes into not just like the portal blowing up and all that kind of stuff, but like the process by which you you fill those spots. And if anything, you know, we talked before about guys learning what they might want. I think sometimes UVA learns about its personnel. You know, in, in hindsight, this year's roster was was did just the pieces did not fit together well. Right. And you look at, you know, where they are with the bigs and, and yeah. guard. You know, I, I was on a radio show this afternoon and 
I said, you know, I think UVA could could stand to use two bigs. And like, well, wait a minute, what about Caden Shedrick? And I made the point that listen, because of the free year, because of where he he was this season, you can't think you're going to go into the fall and Caden Shedrick is going to be a more physically mature and also more experienced player because he didn't have the time to build up that you know that stamina and muscle and he didn't have the time on the floor to build up that experience right he yeah. essentially is going to be exactly where he was last year you just hope that he's able to be healthy going into the um you know the off season and stay healthy as he as he gets ready um but even so that really shined a light last year on the fact that UVA just did not have any depth um in the front court and that's a problem right especially because yeah. UVA system is going to i think they're even if they don't play like two twin towers you know such and such they need multiple, you know, bigs in the program that they can lean on. They need, you know, if nothing else, for just for matchup sake. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this this is a uh, a very clear takeaway for me from this season is that UVA needs more depth uh, in the front court. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if there's a t- like this past year's roster, like obviously 2020's roster was offensively limited, right? This year's roster was definitely struggled more on the defensive end, but offensively. Like you had more scoring options, you know. You know, Hauser could score well, Huff could score, Murphy could score, and then you know, Beekman, Clark, Marcel, Waldo, whoever, whoever's in the backcourt would give you enough to kind of bail you out, but not something you'd rely on. Um, so that first game, you think, you know, they went five out and kind of surprised Towson and were hitting everything, and it looked like, oh my God, the offense is going to be great. But then teams quickly realized that when they went five out, they couldn't really drive on you. So as long as you closed out hard. Um, they were just going to pass it around. So then they went back to the blocker mover a bunch, but no one was a great screener. You know, Huff, Huff, Huff's not a great screener. You know, he's a thin guy. Um, so when the offense ran best in blocker movers, usually when, believe it or not, when Kafaro was on the court, he's one of the better screeners. Um, so you didn't have, it was hard to, your, your best offensive lineup wasn't your best defensive and your best offensive lineup wasn't that diverse. Um, especially when you weren't getting much out of your backcourt offensively. So like it, it definitely had limitations. Um, yeah. So I've been kind of approaching this whole thing with, you know, what's left, right? So right now, if you, I guess if you had to name a starting five for next year, assuming you add no one, which is very unlikely, um, if not absolutely unlikely, you know, you'd have key a and Reese in the backcourt just like you did this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'd have probably Cody starting at the three, I guess. Um, Murphy at the four and Shedrick at the five. Uh, I assume I assume you agree that's how you would put this team together too. Maybe you could go Shedrick and Kafaro, but I think you're probably playing Murphy at the four going yeah. small. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, there, you know. Assuming Murphy doesn't go pro. Which, right. Let's assume. Let's let's play the game and assume Murphy doesn't go pro and also assume that, you know, there's some, you know, some strength and conditioning. Um gains for him i mean i think that yeah you know he that was one of the things about the pandemic he wasn't supposed to play this year (laughs) well that's true but bronco talks on monday Uh, i hate to that's like the third time i mentioned bronco we're largely about oh about the not having the offseason strength build and stuff like that essentially that you know he he made the mistake and he didn't realize until like game three or four of just how different they were going to be on the field because of decisions they made going into fall camp and he said he maximized player safety at all costs which he he did not regret but he did not realize how much of an impact that was going to have so that's why he's so excited about going into spring ball and having you know basically playing football you know getting them back to being ready for 
you know, where they would normally be. I, I don't know, and I can't tell you with any degree of certainty, um, how different it was uh, for basketball teams in general, and especially for UVAs. But I can tell you that it was dramatically different, given everything I've I've heard, that it was essentially nothing like what it would have been. Um, so, I mean, you can kind of take that football analogy and kind of like, uh, extrapolated out, right? Like it was, it was even worse, so to speak, right? Um, I would love to see Trey Murphy in this system with more time to, you know, to not just get bigger, but to also become more comfortable um, and get that time around each other. We talked about this on the pod, right? They, they, they did not, they never looked like they were, a, you know, a phalanx. They were, you know, individual defenders. And when individual defenders played well one night, the team played well, but they never got to a place as a team defense where it looked, you know, like it has looked. And I don't think that that's an accident. I think that that takes work and that they just didn't have the opportunity to do that work. Um, How that plays out in these decisions and how it has impacted the guys who have decided to leave, uh, you know, I I think that's a a really intricate, nuanced sort of thing. Um, You know, we talked about before, like, you you know, we're not going to begrudge guys who say that they want to be somewhere else. And certainly UVA shouldn't try to keep anybody who doesn't want to be there. But you have to wonder, like, in other circumstances, you know, what it would have been like. But, yes, to, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, in that scenario, yeah, I would, I would assume that that would be the lineup I would go with, too. Yeah, I mean, that leaves your, you know, your current guys on the bench as, um, you know, Carson McCorkle in the backcourt, um, Gaffaro coming off the bench. And then if I remember correctly, the only other player would be Tane Murray, right? Correct. I don't think I'm missing anyone. I don't think um, you are either. And, look. Like Tane's interesting, uh, and, and it's so hard. You know, we can have a whole other podcast about the foreign. You know, how does it translate? I watch his videos sometimes, and I think, man, yeah, I mean, he might be. A, maybe we're overlooking him, um, but I'm going to assume it takes him a year or two to assimilate. So, um, I'd like to be wrong. I mean, I really would like to be wrong because some of the things he's like you can see on film, like you know, he's not look, he's not playing against you know. Elite ACC talent, but he, he's playing against dudes older than him, and he, he's making shots, and he clearly has an understanding of the game. So he could be the wild card that we end up like not talking about enough this offseason. Um, and I, I think that'd be okay because you know we've we've seen in the past it takes uh, the the foreign guys a little while to adjust. But um, so for me, like if that's your team, like obviously if you had Casey and um, McCoy and Jabri, like that adds to your depth, but I don't know if that makes you a team challenging for a championship. And if anything, like you talked about earlier, it makes it a lot harder to add other pieces. Um, so, I mean, so I I think that's what you had to look at. If you're a Virginia fan, you want to be upset because they lost. I understand. Like we, we know those guys, we, we feel like every guy that comes to Virginia is a Virginia guy through and through. Um, Virginia got very lucky. Um, In 2018, like if DeAndre's not hurt and they lose to UMBC, my guess is DeAndre goes pro. Um, you know, he doesn't come back because he's got something to prove. Um, or if they go, you know, if he's not hurt, not hurt and they win the first game and lose in the – we talked about this before, get to the Sweet 16. He goes pro, who, who knows if we ever have that thing. Um, but, you know, that was a close-knit group. And you're talking about a season where you had new pieces and Hauser and Murphy – um, you know, Hauser was there last year, but new on the floor. You had Murphy, you had Beegman, um, McCorkle, Jabri, like a lot of new guys. Um, and they never had a chance to bond. So, I mean, it's probably a little easier for these guys to leave than 
you know, then guys from that 2016 recruiting class would have, would have found it to leave a couple years later because COVID, um, that's just, that's just where we are. So like the next step is fine. It's waiting to see what happens. And I, I don't know how soon we start seeing movement. We've already seen guys recruiting, you know, committing out of the transfer portal because look, these guys are in it. They know that there's only so many scholarships. Um, so if they find a program they like and the fits good, they're going to commit pretty early. Hopefully Virginia can get some of those, but I mean, I think we'd all agree. Yeah. I think you named them all, but you know, you got to have a, a, a guard that can score. You need, need a wing or two. Um, and you definitely need a springy big and just a big, big would be nice. So, you know, if Virginia can add all that, if they're the right pieces, then everything happens for a reason. If they don't, then, you know, you, you rebuild through, you start, you start your rebuild and hope that Neely is the, the cornerstone for another great class either way. Yeah, I mean, I think part of this too, right, has to hinge on how, what do you feel about Tane Murray, right? Not you, Dave, but just a collective you. Because if you feel like he can be a contributor right away, that might change your calculus a little bit. Um, you know, if you're Tony and you're trying to, and your staff and you're trying to think through like, okay, what what do we need? You know, you, you I think you have to, you have to think like, all right, what's, you know, should Trey obviously stay? What, what's, what's, what's he project to be, you know, in, in uh, the beginning of, you know, going into next season and also where Shedrick, right. You, you kind of need to have some feel for those answers um, before you can really know what your needs are. But I would argue that their best bet is to cover is to cover the field. Right. Um, you know, Tony went through a period where he tried to use every scholarship and then he had a bunch of transfers because it's impossible, you know, to keep that many guys happy. Um, but then I think he's learned that depth is also an issue. And there's a, there's a sliding doors sort of um, podcast where you could talk about all of the things that sort of went wrong for UVA this year and how that would impact and how that did impact the decisions that these three kids have made to leave. For example, like, you know, Casey uh, had to be contract, got contract trace when he did. And that really opened up for, you know, somebody else to come in and start. You know, what if he had been able to get consistent minutes? You know, what if, um, you know, Jabri had actually redshirted? Um, what if, um, you know, Shedrick doesn't get sick and Statman's more available and the depth that we all thought they would have, they actually did have. Um, and ultimately, too, like, that's not, it's, I'm not going to say that, like, teams that have success don't, won't have anybody transfer. That's obviously not necessarily the truth. But I also wonder, like, if the team could have had more success, how that would have impacted guys and their decisions to to leave um yeah that is it. Yeah. you know it's one of those things it's like you know your experience is impossible to separate from your reality right and your reality for this season was that it was tough you know um you know ups and downs and in-betweens and um again i i don't think it's you know i'm not going to get into legislating whether or not guys should or shouldn't have left and such and such but i just think it's interesting if you think it through the the rationale of like had some other things gone differently would what's the what's the butterfly effect um now dave i want to we're 47 minutes uh talking mm-hmm. about all this uh, but i am curious if is there a guy on the portal that is your top dude like you the guy you most want uva to sign yeah i mean i've, I've got a top five probably um all right. Well, look, let's, I think let's kills is, top five. Well, let's say the kills the kills piece kind of changes the transfer portal math a little That's bit, right? True. That's for some true. reason they got Trevor Kills, and I don't need to look at the shooting guard. And then my number one is probably Walker Kessler. 
Um, and you know that comes as a surprise because I wasn't high on him before. Literally, I I asked this yeah. question so you could say somebody else, so I could say Kessler, and we could have an interesting discussion. But no, but I say if I we know... get kills, he's number one. But oh, let's okay. assume we don't okay. get kills. All right, all right. Let's so assume you're, we you're don't saying get Kessler is. So only you can say the... Kessler. Okay. So yeah. so let me let me get this straight. Is Kessler the number one if they don't get kills? No, no. I, okay. I would interesting. Like I think you need someone who can score from the wing. Um, so for me, it's between uh, Justin Powell and and the Gardner kid from ECU. I'd probably lean towards Powell just because he's a little bit younger and I like Gardner's more of a round in a basket kind of scorer. And I think we'd eat a three point shooter with the guys we just mentioned. So I think I'd put Powell number one, assuming we don't get kills. So no kills. Not that we have any survivor information. We're not expecting the <laughs> kills at all. It's so funny, like sometimes that would be the name of the podcast. The way that I have the way <laughs> I've uh the way I have trained you and Ferber to always be mindful of like qualifying everything just in case, right? I I, I appreciate that. Mm. That we have that that we have we've all um developed this sort of uh knee-jerk uh, reaction of like, but wait a minute, I'm not saying that that's not I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that to be cryptic, you know, like um, I, I used to get that on the board all the time. Like if I ever, you know, if I said something and somebody would be like, well, I think he's saying that because he can't say more. Um, but no, I think, you know, I, I, I think I tend to agree with you that um, if Virginia were to get keels and I'm just going to put this out there, I fully expect to get to go to Duke. Um, I think, I, I think that one is not, um, look, if he chose Virginia, would I be surprised? Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> you like how I set that up? Um, but look, even if so, let's assume Keels goes to Duke, uh, and that Virginia's in the situation where you know presumably there is not another twenty twenty one high school guy, right? So I mean, there there are definitely dudes who are pulling out of letters of intent right now. Um, you know, the kid who just pulled out from um, uh, Louisville to go to Kansas from uh, Carolina. Um, you know, like the, the, these things are happening and they probably, some of them probably will happen a little bit more. Um, I kind of feel like they have, they have clear needs and I can't necessarily say like any one of them is dramatically higher than the others. My, my, the dramatic piece is that they need all of them. Right. Because I think if you don't have, if you don't have a bouncy big for on this team next year, you could have all the scoring you want and it might not matter. Right. If you have a bouncy big and they can't shoot, you don't have a guard who can shoot. I mean, you're kind of going to see a lot of what you saw this year, especially if like, you know, let's say Kessler. I like Kessler because I think that. That he is the type of mobile big with some back to the basket game that can really excel at UVA. And frankly, this is a thing that we have not really seen. Right. Mike Toby was as close as you got to it and he just couldn't stay on the floor. He just, you know, he just wasn't that guy. Um, now he was very talented and certainly, you know, had his moments, but in terms of the consistency piece, he was, you know, he was up and down Kessler, I think with consistent minutes and, and certainly with uh, you know, an, an off season to, to, to get himself in a different place physically. I really am interested to see what that looks like, whether that's at UVA, whether that's at wherever um, you mentioned Powell, um, there, there has been a lot of rumblings out there that the two of them might end up the same place. And if that were to come to pass, you got to like UVA's chances. Um, if that were to come to pass, um, my cousin Armand, not that we know anything, nah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go with the disclaimer. Um, 
my cousin Armand over at Indiana would be a nice sort of um, piece to, you know, kind of be like more sell, but a little bit better, um, at least in terms of consistency and that kind of thing. Um, you got Noah. Of, I mean, there's some guys. Here. Yeah, Noah. I mean, look, look, Noah, Noah Lockie. Lockie. Yeah. That dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I I joked about this the other night. It was like, you know, the ghost of UVA recruiting past. And then like five seconds later, Noah Farrakhan was in the in the portal. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but so we've got Flashbacks five open scholarships. Like summer 2017 <laughs> again, or 18. Yeah, I mean, we've got five open scholarships, right? Yes. Let's assume we don't give out all five because you want some flexibility. You don't want to overstock the rest. So let's say we do. They they can get any four transfers they want. Who's your top four? So I can go do some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, I would take. I I probably would honestly. I probably would take Locke, Kessler. Powell and CJ Felder. I like that. I think I would go. I mean, yeah. you put that I mean, team I, with like Brees Beekman and they probably can win the ACC. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good that's group. That's a good group. Um, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, a very I mean, well rounded group. Yeah, Powell and Kessler are definitely in my top four. Um, dynamic duo. Um, and then either, either Locke or Keels, either one of them wants to come, I'll take him. Um, you know, I like Gardner. Like I, I might lean towards Gardner, even though I don't think he's the defensive guy that Felder is. Um, but I, I do think he's got the potential. Uh, he's kind of a slightly bigger McCoy with a better offensive game. Uh, he definitely has that energy level. He just didn't play the defense like he did at ECU. So, um, like if you give me lock slash skills, Powell, <laughs> Powell and Kessler, I'll take any four that can play the wing because I think that's where you need to be a you know, a, a small four, big three, whatever he is, you know, um, or you no, know, I mean, Wahab would probably be my fifth, but I'd be interested. I don't think you could have Shedrick, Wahab, Kafaro, and, and, uh, Kessler on the same team and play basketball in the modern era, but that would have been a good eighties team. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll go with Gardner as my dream four Cause I think, you know, you put those four dudes on the court with what you got coming back. It's you're going to have to score some points to beat Virginia. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> um, so, all right, last thing before we wrap this up and Dave can go do other stuff. Um, I guess, I guess I want to, I guess I want to look ahead and I want to, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, is this what it's going to be like? Like, and are people down with that? You know, I mean, certainly I'm used to at this point, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, putting up a swing or whatever, right. Um, in my, in my backyard and my watch buzzes and then buzzes again and then buzzes, buzzes and then buzzes again. And I'm like, Oh God, what's happening. Right. I'm used to the fact that there's literally never a dull moment. Right. Um, I'm wondering if some of the fan reaction this week, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally getting texts right now from people who are like freaking out. Um, not like, not like source people, more like like people people, like regular old people, people who are, you know, stressed. Um, again, trying not to be cryptic. Um, but like, are people really going to, are they going to be able to, to ride this ride if this is what it's like? I mean, heck, I know there are a lot of coaches who aren't going to want to ride this ride, you know, let alone fans. Um, because information has never been more readily available, right? UVA still plays things very close to the vest and 
honestly, at this time of year, it's in UVA's best interest to play everything close to the vest because the last thing that anybody at UVA needs is for anybody to know what their top priority is. You know what I mean? Like we can we can talk about it, and certainly, you know, a bunch of folks, myself included, we hear this and that, but like, um, it, it's in their best interest to play all that stuff close to the vest until the kid announces. Um, but but are fans really going to be able to ride this ride if it's like this every spring? Where I mean, cl- clearly. This is nuclear because we've never lived through it before. But what if it's like this all the time? Will that will that impact your enjoyment of college basketball, Dave? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the one time transfer thing and name image, image likeness is going to make college basketball like when you compare what college basketball will become to what it was when I grew up, it'll look like two different sports. Um, like the whole academic like. You know, we we have a guys that are you know, academic that come to Virginia for the academics, like all that's out the window. So if you're going to be a Virginia sports fan or you know whatever, whatever basketball fan you are, um, you know Duke. I think Duke fans have already kind of lived that, right? They've given up the academic angle for Duke. Virginia's going to have to get to that place for you to be content watching the team. Um, you think one-time transfer rules because of COVID or something? Wait until the kid's got like someone willing to pay him. X number of dollars a tweet because of his, because of his following and his, you know, for branding and for influence, if he has to sit, you know, if he's getting Casey Morsell minutes, how quick is that dude jumping out of Virginia? You know, and who's going to make that decision for him? Is it him or the guy writing on the check? Um, look, and that's, it can be all above board, right? Like it won't be cheating at that point. It'll be, you have a contract with this guy. Hey, if that contract says, Hey, I think you can get more minutes down the road. Um, so that dynamic is here to stay. And I think college basketball, just because of how small the roster is and how much two or three guys leaving can change it, it's going to – like I feel like we're going to have these conversations over and over about roster turnover. And it's going like, to there, – there may be a time when it's just not fun anymore um, until it, everyone kind of learns to live with it. But I think the dynamics of – power five basketball are going to change a lot's going to change when that happens if you can go somewhere else if you can go to not even gonzaga if you can go to north texas or wherever and get paid and play ball and be seen um maybe it helps competition but my guess is it only helps if you're a starter um college football i don't think it's going to affect it that much as much because your roster is a bigger three or four guys leaving, you know, even 10 guys leaving every year isn't going to affect you as much. But basketball, I'm not looking forward to seeing what that's going to be. And that's no offense. Like, players, like, they should be able to earn their money. Yeah, great. But, yeah, I think there's unintended consequences. They're going to make the college game almost unbearable. Says grumpy old man. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'll be uh, proved right. But, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great play. That's a great vibe to leave the podcast on this week. Um, grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. Um, but realistically, you know, um, I, I, I guess I'll say it like this. If you're a fan who the last few days have just been a whirlwind for you, it's okay. Like, it's been crazy. Um, and that's And that's all right. Like, it's okay to feel whatever you feel. I would just say that, like, as this wheel spins – I would my my advice to everybody is to just expect that things are going to be crazy, and that eventually when it stops, UVA will have a basketball team. Um, and 
you've got a pretty good coach who knows what he's doing and a pretty good system that has proven to, to be successful. Um, the pieces might change, but, um, you know, if there are things that Tony and his staff need to learn from this, they, they will. I don't, I don't have any doubt. I watched UVA try to run a lot of five out stuff this year, which I still can't wrap my mind around, you know, that Tony was, you know, that willing to, you know, to run something, um, sort of that far away from the beaten path, you know, in terms of what he's done in the past. So I think, if anything, this season just taught me and said that that this 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 group can actually adapt a little bit more than we think. Even if they are, you know, somewhat stringent at times, that's okay. That's what it's they're, they're supposed to be, right? You don't throw the whole thing out just because it's not working for five seconds. But I do think that like this is going to be a thing. I think Dave's probably right. Um, you know, the degree to which it's a thing, we got to wait and see. But for right now, yes, they're you know guys are in the transfer portal. Um, you know, could UVA have another guy in the? Of course they could. Like at this point. You, anybody who makes predictions is setting themselves up to, to have egg on their face. I'll be shocked if, uh, if UVA doesn't, um, you know, doesn't fill these spots with, with guys that, that, that make sense. And certainly with guys that fans are going to be excited about. Um, but we'll have to wait, you know, it's just a, it's a waiting game. And that's, if that's hard for you, I get it, but that's just, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. All right, I think that is a very good place to put a pin in it. Um, we did an hour without Ferber. Well, I'm, I'm very proud of us, Dave. Um, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Overcast or wherever it is that the programs are quote-unquote sold. Uh, we should be there, and if we're not, uh, let me know because I want to make sure we are. Um, now, if you're somebody who, is not, who has found the pod has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, capscorner.com. Listen, there are a lot of people on my message board right now. I'm very excited to talk to you about all of the things we just talked about. Um, and they are, you know, varying degrees of um, irate and such and such and such uh, about that, all of it. Um, so you can check that out. Um, Ferber uh, said he was going to write a thing and he wrote like what essentially was like five things. So. Part one of his tournament review is out, uh, which is linked um, both in the uh, podcast app of choice and in the content item for this show. Uh, I mentioned Bronco and uh, Spring Ball. Um, really good stuff from him yesterday um, before practice started today as we record this. Uh, and then my last two season in review uh, pieces are out there on the um, cornerbacks and safeties. I was really interested to hear from Bronco to say that essentially when the guys came back for their super senior seasons, like he was essentially like, listen – you can't just come back and be who you were. You got to be different. You got to be better. You can't just come back here and expect to do the same thing. And, you know, he says that so far all of them have, have answered that call. So I'm really curious what that means for UVA, considering, especially the secondary where they have a lot of guys back. Um, so anyway, um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, I want to thank David Spence. Wow, I called you David. Ugh. I don't, I, that just feels wrong. Um, I want to say I thank... Uh, wow. I want to thank Dave for giving graciously of his time this week. Um, Ferber hopefully will be back next week, and uh, therefore I won't have to talk as much. Um, so for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. There's something in-